0: The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.
1: Fashion, religion, age, and geopolitics are all related to food. Uh, to tell us how and also why we eat, what we eat, I'm joined on the f- the line by food futurist, uh, someone who was a guest speaker at the inaugural Food Innovations Summit hosted by Enterprise Ireland in Cork. Dr. Morgan Gay. Good morning.
0: Good morning.
1: What is a food futurist?
0: Well, I look at, obviously, it's what it says on the tin, uh, why we eat what we eat, but what we're going to be eating in the future, but all of the factors that play into those things. So, obviously, what companies are going to make, how we're going to be sharing food, how we're going to be shopping for food and buying food and eating it, and aspiration. It's all about
1: aspiration, what we want. What we want. Um, You work with some global brands. I mean, what do you do with them and for them?
0: So typically I do what I did yesterday for Enterprise Island, which is what I call a trend briefing. So it's about an hour where I paint a picture of the future in about five to seven years time. And I look at everything from interiors to design to fashion, everything that plays into what that future is going to look like that we're going to live into. And then I work with brands to help them on a project. So whether that's to develop the cream cheese for Philadelphia or whether that's to develop a new chocolate vocabulary or whatever the brand wants to create if it's new packaging or just a new new ideas ideas and new product development
1: Now, you say that everything has something got to do with the food that we eat uh, our culture our belief system yeah. uh, where we live uh, explain
0: so we start to develop our, our preferences about three months in vitro in the womb. So, of course, if we're born in Mexico, for example, and our mother's eating chilies and then we're breastfed, we already start to develop a propensity towards our ability to taste chili and to manage chili and spicy foods. And then we're obviously growing up in a certain cultural, perhaps religious scenario where certain foods mean certain things. Of course, I was in Ireland yesterday and I know that there's there's a meaning about fish on Friday and it's hard for older generations to have fish any other day of the week and how to cook it you know that's already rooted in the culture so we've all got that kind of thing for example it's not christmas until we have x and it's different for every person all over the world from family to family and so you know and that changes even through our lifetime because as children We're hypersensitive to texture. So, of course, kids don't particularly like strong flavors or bitter flavors, and they don't like a lot of texture bits in things. And that changes as we get older. And that because our taste buds die actually, after the, you know, quite early on, you know. And then as we get older, you know, we start to see older people prefer things that are smooth and creamy, like soup, smashed potato. So even just through our age span, no matter where we are, things also change. Mm.
1: Now, geopolitics and food, you can understand if there's a war in a place that exclusively, for example, produced coffee and no one else produced coffee, there would be a world coffee shortage. That's a kind of a blunt analysis because there is no shortage of coffee much at the moment. But give me examples of how geopolitics have affected the food. That we eat?
0: So, I mean, it affects all of us all the time, sometimes that we don't even know about it. So, perhaps the most prescient right now would be Brexit for us. So, one of the things that's happened is that the EU laws and regulations are actually quite phenomenally good and help us to get some really good regulation around the crops that are sprayed and what can and can't be served or sold. Well, now that's gone in Britain and a lot of people don't know that in the UK now that we're buying foods that would be under the EU law illegal. So, carcinogenic sprayed oranges from Egypt, for example, are banned under the EU law, but now. Unbeknownst to a lot of consumers here, they are now allowed in supermarkets, and of course, people aren't reading the small print. So it's things like that that we, you know, we normalize what we live in, and we often don't notice the little details because we're too busy looking at the bigger kind of news yeah. headlines. So now, It affects everything.
1: Yeah, you you look at trends, and we're not talking about you know the the bite du jour, which might be avocado on toast. You look at the kind of longer range things.
0: Yeah, because I think one of the things that people may not know is that it takes about two to three years for big brands to get an idea to the shelf because there's so many checks and balances and the bigger the company, the harder they have to work to sort of comply to all of the legislations and laws. And so they need a long run forecast. They're going to invest a lot of money, the packaging, the marketing. So it's no good giving them a quick fad that we might have seen loads of cupcakes around and say, oh, cupcakes, they seem quite popular. It's too late. And they need to have something more than a fad, a much deeper underlying trend when they're investing money into a long-term future for a product or an idea, or even technology, which I work with as well.
1: So if they were going to market a, a whole selection of seeds, and seeds seem to be very popular uh, in all sorts <laughs> of quarters at the moment, they would need to know which seed is going to last the pace?
0: well i think it's about what they're going to do if if for if we're taking seeds for example because if you're thinking that they're popular now it's too late pretty much okay. so unless there's a unless there's a deeper trend underlying that you know so if we said Oh, it's plant based. And if that's a trend that we think is going to last, then what could fit into that? So for me, it's more about the why. The what is the detail. We can think about how we translate that into a product, Mm -hmm. but that's further down the line.
1: Now, what about sustainability? You mentioned the oranges uh, from Egypt, maybe not that far away, but, uh, (laughs) you know, tea from China. Uh, yeah. And we also get our tea from India. But you know what I mean? What do we yes. do about products when there's a generation growing up that claims to want to be sustainable?
0: Well, I think one of the things that I was saying this yesterday at Enterprise Island, that we've we you know we've been using this word sustainability for so long, we actually don't really know what it means because it has no meaning anymore. We can't sustain the planet in the way it is now. We're about 50 years too late for that, but we haven't got a new word But in order to try and think about the the environment in a different way, it's difficult because it's a culture change and that's the biggest thing that drives our consumption habits so we are looking you know what we need to really be thinking about is what is local what is seasonal what is best for us in the moment because typically we do best you know we'll start to understand more about our microbiome and our dna and what resonates with us individually it it's different for every single person but we need to have more variety on our plates cooking from scratch is a great thing to do in terms of health no matter what it is you're eating make it yourself and and try and buy as locally and as sure. less less processed as possible is in some ways more sustainable
1: really yeah it's extraordinary that we expect to have fresh fruit 12 months of the year from all sorts of exotic places and presumably they arrive on our supermarket shelves at a price that is affordable to us yeah
0: and that's why you know we've been living in a false sense of security over the last 40 years with prices where they've things have become more available and in some ways although it seems expensive to us it's within definitely within my lifetime that we were spending about 80% of our income on food <laughs> we no longer think about you know we think that's ridiculous but that was the norm and so we're buying things much cheaper and more available but that's quite rare in Europe actually you only have to go to somewhere like Italy to see that oh it's peach season and they'll be eating peaches but they won't eat them when it's not peach season they're much more attuned to what, the, what food is good. And you'll see that asparagus is cheap when it's in season. So that's the time to buy it, eat, eat it till it comes out of your ears, and then don't eat it for the rest of the year. That's the way that we've just come a, real, we've come a long way, really, from our food nature, unfortunately, you know, because a lot of European countries are still connected to that.
1: Food futurist Dr. Morgan Gay, thank you very much for joining us with that fascinating insight into why we eat what we do.